My grandfather served in World War II. Spending time with him were the best memories of my life. I became a physician at VA because of my grandfather, so I can help others like him. I can't imagine working with better doctors or a more dedicated staff. I'm fulfilling my life's mission with the help of my team and thanks to these veterans. I'm proud to be a doctor at VA and proud to honor my grandfather every day. Search VA Careers to find out more. Good morning, everyone. You're listening to This Week at VA. I'm your host, Timothy Lawson. If you're a first-time listener, be sure to check out some of our past episodes when you're done here. Most of our content is evergreen and applicable year-round with plenty of insights from veterans and resources here at VA. For those of you trying to pay attention to the new leadership coming in at VA, Dr. Shulkin was advanced by the Senate Committee on Veterans Affairs and now awaits a confirmation from the Senate. As of the time of this recording, Wednesday, February 8th, that confirmation hearing has not been scheduled. Many of you have pinged us on Twitter at DEPT Vet Affairs about the hiring freeze. If you have not heard, a list of positions at VA has been exempted from the freeze. The majority of those positions in the health administration and to see the list of positions exempted, go to blogs.va.gov in the search box, enter hiring freeze, and you'll see our news release regarding the exemptions made by VA. I wanted to point this out because VA needs to be staffed in order to best serve our veterans. You may have been considering a career at VA and the freeze may have concerned you, so I recommend that you check the list and continue to pursue a career here at VA. Today's feature interview is with Marine Corps veteran Joe Shinelli. Joe is the executive director at AMVETS, an organization dated back to World War II. AMVETS' mission is to enhance and safeguard the entitlements for all American veterans who have served honorably. AMVETS participates in our communications meetings to discuss messaging at to discuss messaging of VA benefits and improvements in how veteran service organizations can amplify those efforts. I sat in one of those meetings a few weeks ago, and they were thrilled with the idea of joining the podcast. Joe's last name is actually is is pronounced Chanelli, even though I introduce him introduce him as Chanelli in the interview, despite asking him how to properly pronounce it only seconds earlier. Joe's going to tell us more about his service in the Marines, his transition out, and his work at AMVETS. Enjoy. So Joe Shenley, uh executive director at the at AMVETS. AMVETS is uh, is it sh- is short for American Veterans or uh, yes. yeah okay. Um, you've been there for how long now? I just came aboard about eight months ago. Eight months ago. Uh, it was like uh, drinking out of a fire hose. Maybe the hose <laughs> fell off and then right out of the hydrant. Yeah. Drinking, so when pe- I get the metaphor, and it's, it's a fun one to, to envision, that would be horrible to try to drink out of a fire hose. I think you would lose some skin off your face. Like, it's probably a very bad experience. I still think it fits for <laughs> what I've gone through in the last eight months, but uh, definitely lost some skin, but it's all been worthwhile. Yeah. Previously, Director of Communications at DAV, you're at AMVETS even just a little bit before that. Before we get into your career transition, the one, the one thing that you are ultimately is a Marine, uh, because Marines never let themselves be called once a Marine, because we're always a Marine. Uh, one thing that we all have in common on this show is we all served in the, in the military uh, at some point, and we all share the one common experience of deciding to join the military. So bring us back to that day. 
so when I was 18 in high school, I really thought I wanted to join the military. I wanted to be something bigger than what I was. I wanted to, to fit into something uh, larger and wanted to see the world. Um, I didn't realize they were going to send me to all the worst places in the world. Um, but I still, I waited to end up waiting a few years after my mother cried for months. Uh, she didn't want me to join the Marine Corps. And then just one day up and joined the Marine Corps. Um, and still, it was the same reason I wanted to you know, really expand my horizons. I'd gone to college for a few years at that point. Um, and I decided that I, I still wanted to have the the grunt experience. I wanted to live in the dirt for four years. Hmm. Um, there were still a few moments there <laughs> from time to time where I second-guessed whether I made the right decision, but in the end I was, and I still remain very grateful for the opportunity to have joined the Marine Corps. Yeah, what year was that again? So I enlisted in 1998. 98. And then in um, 2001, I extended, uh, in August of 2001, Okay. I extended so I could take a deployment on the 15th Marine Expeditionary Unit. Uh, left out of San Diego and was in East Timor. I'm sorry, I was just southeast Timor in Darwin, Australia uh, on 9-11. And the whole world changed, but uh, it definitely changed my life um, then as well. Yeah. And I was in Afghanistan, or I was off the coast of Pakistan uh, less than a week later. And then in Afghanistan, part of the initial invasion uh, force on Thanksgiving in 2001. Sure. So I've had a surprising amount of people on this show that served during 9-11. I think it's one of the most unique experiences that, um, that anybody has from the time in the military is watching the military transform so quickly um, pre-9-11 to post-9-11. So I'd like to get your perspective on this. Tell me about what the shift in the military you saw from September 10, 2001 to September 12, 2001. Actually, I'll, I can take it back to the day that my mother met my recruiter. Okay. Um, and that was 1998, and the recruiter brought the first sergeant down uh, from Buffalo to to sit down and try to help us convince her that it was a, a good idea. And yeah. he started talking about war and saying, you know, there, there won't be any war for the United States for the foreseeable future. You know, it would have to be something terrible. and made some comments about Desert Storm, and honestly, I had no no thought that it was possible that we'd be in a full-scale war, and here we are, yeah. you know, more than 15 years later, still in that war. Yeah. Um, so everything up, into, up until 9-11, including the training that we did on 9-11 in Australia, there was never this thought that this could be real, at least not for me, not for the people who I, you know, was close with we never really we always felt like we were training for a game that would never come yeah not, not to minimize what war is but before it actually happens that's how it felt tell me about experience you had in the military that sort of sums up your time of service sure so um i i guess when um after afghanistan i came back I had to come back with my unit um and my enlistment was over um, a few months later, um, my officer in charge, uh, Dave Romley, who ended up retiring as a lieutenant colonel, he called me up and said, you know, I'm going to uh, Kuwait for exercise internal look. Um, all right, well, great. Ha have fun, <laughs> Dave. And hung up the phone and then quickly realized what he was actually telling me. So I called him back. I was like, sir, if uh, I come back, you sure me that I won't be stuck answering phones at Camp Pendleton. I'll be going over with you. 
because I realized it was the build-up for what became my Iraqi freedom. He said, absolutely, that's why I'm calling you. And so it just became this, you didn't want to get left out. Yeah. You, you didn't want to not be there with uh, your brothers and sisters in arms. And uh, I was very glad they made the decision. It was very difficult in family and everything, but went back and spent a year over in Iraq. Okay. Is that the only deployment you did uh, in support of either of those two campaigns? Yes, so I okay. was there for the initial invasion for each of them and spent a little time in Djibouti uh, as well. Yeah. Um, so then when uh, you joined in 98, when did you end up transitioning out? So I left for the second time at the end of 2004. Okay. And what prompted that, that decision? Um, I really wanted to have a family, R really wanted to have children. Um, my my first uh, my ex-wife first wife um, she said she wasn't going to have a family if I was still in the military and Marine Corps and I understood why and so I, I made that decision uh, and after 9-11 when I came out of Afghanistan I had a lot of job opportunities um, and, and so I was in the journalism world and I was covering the military and I still felt like I was doing something at least I had a lot of guilt about not being in there still being a healthy guy and but uh, I did feel like I was still supporting in some way, and I'm really thankful that that evolved into you know, being in veterans advocacy. Yeah. So uh, a question I, I like to, um, two questions I like to, to talk to uh, or ask veterans as they, about their transition out. Um, the first one, did you experience any sort of emotional crisis, um, either soon after or um, at some point, like in the first year um, after getting out? So I did, and um, it was really just about a year, or maybe even a year and a half after. Um, I stayed very busy. I'm somewhat of a workaholic. I like staying, you know, focused and busy. And um, suddenly, that just became too much, and the relationship that I was in started to uh, fall apart, uh, in part because of. Uh, the amount of time I, I just spent focused on something else to try to keep my mind off you know, certain things. Um, and that relationship did end up going away. Um, the VA was actually very helpful in that. I spent a lot of time with the Vet Center. Um, had, did spend some time um, the VA uh, facility up in Baltimore and really worked through a lot of things and learned a lot of coping issues, yeah. uh, coping techniques. Sure. And then uh, the other one, you know, veterans when they leave the military are find often that they're void of purpose, or at least that um, they're they're feeling withdrawal, purpose withdrawals, if you will. Um, how long did it take you to to be able to replace that feeling, or at least feel a new driven purpose? Um, you know, I thought I had it right away, and then start second guessing whether I didn't then determined I didn't, and that's in part why I ended up leaving the journalism world and going to veterans advocacy. And um, so when I first started working at AMVETS, uh, which would be about 2006, um, it's when I, 2007, it's when I started feeling like I was moving in the right direction again, and again, part of something that was larger than myself. Yeah. What did you learn about the veteran space as you've been a part of veteran advocacy, what are some things that maybe have surprised you about veterans' challenges or needs in their post-military life that maybe you weren't expecting, uh, or maybe you know caught you by surprise? Maybe you weren't as aware of it as you, even as a veteran, um, either through your time at AMVETS or DAV. Like, what have you learned? 
um, I would say two parts, vastness and diversity. Um, I was really shocked when I started working with AMBETS as to how, how huge the veterans community is. I mean, we know we're you know, single digits and percentages in the United States, but still, it's a massive number of people. Um, the needs and the mindsets are so diverse and different ways to reach people, um, to inform them, to deliver the different services um, that they need and that they've earned it is so wide ranging. Um, it makes it for the VA, um, certainly for the veteran service organizations, uh, uh, an incredible task of, yeah. of trying to meet everyone's needs in a way that can you know, save their lives in some cases. Um, I have a lot of questions about AMVETS. Before I get there, looking outside of your organization and to other places of the, um, the veteran space, who, name one or two veterans anywhere in the veteran space that, uh, that you look up to right now and either how they lead the organization or the influence they're having on our space or how they're representing veterans, however you want to answer that question. Sure. Um, um, uh, Jared over at um, Student Veterans of America, doing amazing work. Jared Lyon. Jared Lyon. Yeah. He's, um, we have so many veterans out there who are improving themselves and really setting the table to be leaders in this, for this nation moving forward for the next several generations. Yeah. And um, what he and his team are doing, organizing and bringing them together and, and ensuring that they are moving in the right direction together is really admirable and uh, very impressive when I step back and look at it. Um, I'll tell you, I was super impressed with Bob McDonald, uh, okay. who now just uh, became the former VA secretary, of course. Sure. Um, his values-based values leadership and um, what he was doing here was really revolutionizing um, the way that decisions are made uh, at the ground level, um, something that has been needed for a long time, doing what's right um, because it's right, not necessarily because that's what the rules tell you to do, and you know, giving this you know, this leeway and empowering, um, incredible, and something that you know I I know I'm trying to bring to our organization. Yeah. Um, as well. Yeah, Bob McDonald's been on this show. Uh, I wanted to make sure to get that get that interview before he was uh, <laughs> out the door. We're uh, we're anticipating being able to have a, a podcast interview with presumably David Shulkin should uh, should the Senate uh, confirm him. Uh, and Jared Lyon is actually, I have an interview with him lined up next week. Is that right? Yeah. Um, Great. I look forward to listening to it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's talk about AMVETS. For, uh, since I've been a veteran, which amazingly now, for me, I have just reached the point where I've been a veteran longer than I was in the military. So I feel like I know more about the veterans. Like when people, I've had people ask me like military questions and I'm like, mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know. Like I've been, that was a long time ago. But I can tell you everything you need to know about the veterans, about being a veteran. I don't know what it means to be a Marine really so more anymore. <laughs> uh, but I've heard AMVETS, I've heard of the, the organization. Before we started the interview, you, uh, you mentioned that AMVETS uh, was struggling for a while with uh, reputation and possibly even bur uh, bridges that were burned. Those are situations that I was unaware of. First, tell me the mission of AMVETS. What, e what exactly is it that you do here? I <laughs> <laughs> understand that. In most all veterans organizations have one primary mission, which is to improve the lives of veterans and their families and their survivors. Um, what sets us apart in that is that we are out there fighting for all veterans. Um, you know, just about every group has a ditch 
and some of these niches are large, um, but they're either combat veterans or wartime veterans or disabled veterans or paralyzed veterans or veterans of just this war or just that conflict or they're just students now. Um, and those are all really valuable and they are able to serve up really specialized um, you know, benefits and value. Um, but we have 38% of our membership can't belong to any of those other organizations because they're not disabled, they're not combat veterans. Um, so they don't have anyone else fighting for them on a large scale like we are. And that to me was a reason that putting 18, 19 hour days in at the office has been worthwhile because I know those veterans are falling through the cracks. And um, you know, as best job as VA can do, there's still gonna be veterans out there who don't even know about VA or aren't, don't trust the VA or don't see other resources. And that's where we come in, making sure we're connecting them and uh, informing them, letting them know what the VA offers or what HUD offers or what um, you know, many different organizations offer and what we offer ourselves. Um, most veterans who have an early encounter with AMVETS would be with our service officers. We have service officers uh, throughout the country when a veteran is leaving the military and needs to uh, help uh, filing its claims and connecting with different resources again. Uh, we do that all for free. Um, several of the organizations do. Um, but again, we're open to all, yeah. all veterans. And one thing we're really trying to do now is try to help those veterans who cannot leave their homes. We have a lot of veterans who are homebound. Um, we have veterans who just live too far away from a regional office where the majority of organization service officers are. Um, so we're, we're working hard on that, working with some really intelligent people in the, the tech world to, to get that done. Very cool. When you, when, um, how, how are you feel comfortable with, but can you, uh, can you describe sort of the challenges that AMVETS had in existing in the space and, and um, you know, how that led to some of the challenges that you're having as an executive director, um, sort of repairing any frayed edges that, that have come along the way? Sure. So our organization had taken some not just extreme, but extremely unpopular positions. Uh, I don't really want to speculate on sure. why they took those particular positions, but they were positions that um, I felt were detrimental to the entire veterans community. And um, having worked for another veterans organization at the time, I know these other organizations felt that AMVETS was causing some serious harm and legitimizing um, through their reputation, you know, AMVETS has been around for more than 70 years. Mm -hmm. And so you put that reputation behind some bad ideas. It, it suddenly seems like maybe those ideas aren't as bad as they really are. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the people, especially here in Washington, who knew how bad those ideas were, you know, quickly didn't want to have anything to do with AMVETS anymore. And um, there were companies who didn't want anything to do with, uh, you know, the organization anymore. And obviously we rely on their support. We need to have a voice that's one of the biggest values we provide our our membership is our voice here in washington on the hill and here at va at the white house um, and that was all going away and so when i came in first thing i had to do was assess how serious the problem was but i had a, a pretty good idea since i wasn't new to the community but then i had to start reassuring everyone we're, we're headed in a different direction now and Everything we do as an organization will be based on what's best for veterans and not necessarily for special interests or to try to build other types of relationships and certainly not to not, sometimes you disagree just to be different. 
Yeah. You know, and that will get you attention. Um, even bad in, you know, as the old uh, um, you know, phrase goes in, in public relations, you know, even bad media is good media. Uh, I, I disagree with that in the, the grand scheme of things. Yeah. And so that's... If, you're, if you are American apparel, bad media is good media. If you are a advocacy group, I don't think that uh, bad media is good media uh, because like, like, that builds reputation and that's difficult to... Um, if that reputation gets into the audience that you're trying to serve, it's difficult to overcome that. Um, you know, I, I can think of a couple other really prevalent veteran organizations right now that are battling sort of the same stigma of building, not a bad reputation, but a questionable one, like, the whole, like what exactly are you trying to do here, um, and watching them both execute their mission while holding their stance, it's building this questionable reputation. Uh, I'm not going to name any any names because sure. I don't want to I don't want to overcomplicate uh, <laughs> people's feelings and thoughts. But I think it's really I think uh, I'm sure as you've noticed in being at DAV, observing other uh, organizations coming into AMVETS, um, sort of rebuilding uh, what's been there, uh, that you've noticed the importance of being able to directly uh, to be able to define a good mission to your audience and reassure them that that really is the priority of the organization and, and have them uh, because we can name the big four five six seven eight uh, veteran organizations but if as soon as you go down to tier B C D there's I mean I feel like the I feel like a couple years ago veteran nonprofits were popping up every other day Everybody wanted to have their nonprofit to help veterans, and after a while, it starts getting confusing for veterans on like, who who of the big boys are legit, who of the uh, smaller company or small organizations are legit. You know, where where should my money go? Where should my trust and my life go? You know, um, so I think it's really important that uh, you know that a, a defined mission is, is is put out there. So other than being able to serve, it sounds like a lot, of, well, a lot of the value that AMVETS has is that you're serving veterans that maybe don't fit the profile or the mission of some of the other bigger organizations. Is there anything else that sort of sets you apart from, uh, you know, VFW, IVA, w, you know, um, those sort of organizations? Sure. So we have uh, created a career center program and it's uh, funded by Call of Duty um, Endowment, the video game. Um, I was about to make a video game <laughs> joke, but you're, yeah. you're actually talking about the video yes. game, okay. And they have, um, they've, they've given us a generous grant and we've put a, quite a bit of our own resources with them. We have career centers that we're opening all over the country where we help uh, veterans and employers connect. Uh, we are helping the veterans learn what marketable skills they actually have and helping them package those up. Uh, we've come up with some partnerships with Men's Warehouse and uh, a few other retailers who help these veterans. Uh, and some of these veterans have been out for a while too, yeah. um, but help them dress for success as well and just give them the different resources. Uh, we have our posts, or give them rides, um, give them computer space, office space um, to, to be able to do this work. Uh, that's something very important. We, um, we're also really big on Americanism and patriotism, and we connect our veterans um, with uh, their communities. Uh, we have developed something of a speakers bureau. Yeah. So if you have a school that wants a veteran to come in, um, we can provide you not just a veteran, but someone who's articulate and will be appropriate 
um, and let them be able to come in and give a little glimpse into uh, the veterans world. Okay. Uh, which, you know, in informing our, our youth is really important. Absolutely. What is a skill set or talent or discipline that you learned while in the, in the Marine Corps that you think is directly benefiting you in your position right now? Oh, mission accomplishment. Yeah. Which of course, Marine Corps mission accomplishment first, morale second. Yeah. <laughs> um, and no matter no matter what, we'll get it done. Yeah. And that's something uh, that everybody I, I think is really. So many veterans have that, and not just Marines, obviously. Yeah. Uh, that's why I think Marines or veterans in general make such great employees and leaders in companies all over the country. Sure. They know how to get the job done and you do what you need to do. Obviously, you stay within your left and right laterals, but you you get it done. Yeah. You mentioned uh, before the interview that you're, you joined the, your local Team RWB chapter. Uh, the one he, here in D.C. or up near Rochester? So, actually, I, I did join the one near in Rochester. Okay. And, uh, but I just started last night, one of my first run uh, with Team Annapolis okay. uh, RWB. And uh, I was, I've always heard such great things about them. And I was so, uh, so motivated by, um, especially the, the leader of last night's run. And he just kept me motivated. And uh, I know your, your listeners can't hear, but I'm not in real good shape. <laughs> I used to be, you know. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, but spending uh, 18, 19 hours a day behind a desk and doing other things like that can really wear on you. And I, I want to get back in, back in shape. Yeah. And so, uh, really grateful that RWB is there to help with that. Absolutely. Uh, Executive Director Blaine Smith has been uh, on the podcast here. And um, just talking with him, it's, it's just, it's really cool. Very, very rarely do you see an organization existing in a space that is so unique and valuable and so unmatched by anybody else. I think Team RWB really is that organization. Uh, you look at other services that organizations provide veterans, and you could be like, well, there's that, and there's also like maybe these other ones. Team RWB, I think, is an Elena of, of its own uh, and extremely valuable, and I'm really excited that, uh, that you're involved now. Me too. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, so let's. Now, veteran suicide, veteran homelessness, uh, military sexual trauma, uh, there's a handful of um, you know, combat-related PTSD, TBI, there's a handful of, of priorities or uh, you know, issues inside the veteran space that I feel like everybody is uh, trying to have some sort of influence into. Um, of those, I'm not asking you to, uh, to rank them or anything, but um, if you were to look at AMVETS and uh, sort of the influence it's having on the space, and they talked about careers a lot, um, I think employment is definitely, I think, maybe added into that, that list I just gave. Uh, but what are, in, of those, which ones do you think AMVETS are, are influencing and what do you think your role is? Sure. Um, well, we talk about suicide prevention, mental health is so huge and it touches just about every one of those other issues. If you have a veteran who is not getting the proper care for mental health issues, it's going to cause unemployment. It's going to cause homelessness. It certainly cause suicide. Um, it be a related factor to suicide. All those things. So um, that's something that we have pushed out through our grassroots. Um, you know, we have about 1,300 posts out there and 250,000 members, and something we've really pushed hard to them, especially in the last year now, um, to raise awareness of that, to do buddy checks, to 
talk about the local communities, make sure everyone knows the warning signs, but make sure every veteran and every veteran's caretaker and family members know where the resources are and not be afraid to call for help and to smash that stigma. Um, that the stigma is something that we've made sure that every one of our meetings out there, are, it's, it's being talked about and that asking for help or even just inquiring about what type of help is available is not a sign of weakness. It's actually one of the strongest things you can do as a veteran. Yeah. Um, this is a really deep question and I'll edit it out if, it, if there's no answer to it. Is that anything that you'd ever experienced? Did you ever experience any uh, runs in with depression or, or suicide ideation? Um, well, so my mother died by suicide um, uh, seven years ago now. Um, you know, so we've, we as a family worked to uh, try to pull something positive out of that because it was so devastating to the family. Um, and so we've, uh, we do a, a charity walk up in Rochester every year. Yeah. And uh, just this past year, um, we, we kind of started doing little themes for each of the walks, even though uh, my mother didn't have anything to do with bullying. Uh, but so that was something that was pressing and certain, certain certainly there for suicide prevention. So we did that. This past year we did uh, veterans. Okay. And um, we were really uh, thrilled with the outpouring of support that the local media gave, which yeah. was helping that. Um, um, and we were able to bring in different veterans organizations and provide uh, direct care. And the VA came out and was very, very helpful. And of course, it's only about 30 minutes from uh, Cadegua, where mm -hmm. the National Crisis Hotline yeah. um, started. And, is mostly based still. Um, you know, I myself, um, you know, I, I, I've dealt with PTSD um, since my first deployment, and um, you know, it's something that's crossed my mind um, in the past. And um, you know, I've lost several very close friends um, to suicide, so it's something that's on my mind every day. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, I appreciate you sharing that with us. So let's. Let's tell the audience how they can get involved with AMVETS. Um, if they've been as curious as I am mm -hmm. on what is AMVETS to having heard of it but never really learned about it, what's if, if they've been inspired, if they're like, man, the, you know, I don't belong elsewhere, or I, I haven't found the right organization for me, they want to give AMVETS a shot, what's the best way to get the ball rolling on, on uh, you know, either a membership or just simply following you guys on what your mission is? Sure. Well, we do have posts at all, all over the country. Um, you can find those at amvets.org. Um, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, um, Snapchat. Um, but we do have, and you can engage with us on social media as well. We're always, um, you know, we're putting legislative stuff out there, keeping our, um, you know, our followers informed and letting them know how they can make a difference, how they can make sure their voice is heard. Uh, that's very important. Um, you know, Get, uh, learn about us, and if you feel like what you see, we'd love to have you with us in our ranks. Like I said, we're all over the country. Uh, I, I try to stay very uh, connected. Um, I'm on Twitter and Facebook and everything too, and you know, out there engaging with veterans all the time. Yeah. Um, well, Joe, I really appreciate you spending time with me uh, here. Um, one of the reasons why I joined VA is I wanted to be a part of more of a solution. You know, I wanted to be able to in influence the veteran space. Um, in the best way that I knew how and I was really excited when VA asked me to start doing this podcast because this is where my strong suit is and I love spotlighting places where veterans are doing cool things for veterans. Uh, so that sounds like what, that's what you're doing over at AMVETS and so it's, it's a pleasure to, to have you on. 
And most of all, thank you for your service to our country, not only from your time in the Marine Corps, but what you're doing over there at your organization right now. Appreciate you having me on, and thank you for what you're doing, doing really important work informing veterans all over. Absolutely. The VA has made it extremely easy to access information, to get out there and find benefits that are there for you. Veterans might be eligible for things that they had no idea they're eligible for, no matter what age you are. That's your benefit. That's what you've earned. Take advantage of it. And the only reason I am sitting here today talking to anybody is because of the VA. Explore the many ways VA benefits can help you purchase a home, earn a degree, advance your career, and so much more. Learn about VA benefits you may be eligible for. Visit explore.va.gov today. AMVETS is just one of the veteran service organizations that work on behalf of veterans. There are several out there, and if you're not associated with one or interested in supporting one, I suggest that you do your research on their mission, the demographic of the veterans that they strive to represent, and the impact they're having on the community around you. Use that information to lend your support or participate or become a member and stay involved inside of the veteran community through the efforts of these VSOs. Today's veteran of the day is Navy veteran Norris Taylor. Norris served in the United States Navy from 1984 to 2014. He was selected as Sailor of the Year for three different commands during his career. Thank you for your service, Norris. To read Norris's full write-up and to learn how you can submit your own Veteran of the Day, visit blogs.va.gov. That wraps up this week's episode. I want to thank you for listening. I know there are a lot of options out there for entertainment, so I appreciate you taking the time to listen to these veterans and their powerful stories. Be sure to visit us on Facebook at facebook.com veteransaffairs to see more stories from our community. I'm Timothy Lawson, signing off. Mm-hmm.